Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. This week, we are republishing our interview with Jenny Britton Bauer. She is the founder and CCO, that's Chief Creative Officer for Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. Oh my gosh, these ice creams are incredible. And the reason that we're doing this is in celebration and leading up to the event that we have with Jenny in Austin, Texas, the end of June, June 25th through the 27th. Jenny, Adrian and our very own Mark Edwards will be there for three days digging in with 16 entrepreneurs, business owners, founders. And one of those 16 people could be you workshopping your very own specific problems, obstacles, and goals with these incredible mentors and coaches. This event is hosted at the beautiful Lodgewell Properties where both food, lodging, and workshop are all included. You'll leave with a fresh perspective, new tools, insight from years of experience and expertise, nothing held back, and a clear plan of action. Space is extremely limited so that they can spend specific time with you. The remaining spots are not going to last very long, so you can apply for the experience by tapping on the link in the show notes, and we'll see you in Austin. Now, let's get into it with Jenny Brittenbauer. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name's Chad. This week, I'm with Dan and Adrian, and we have a guest. We rarely have guests. I'm so excited to introduce you to Jenny Britton Bauer. She is the owner, founder, and chief creative officer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. She has brick and mortar stores all over the United States, and she's in grocery. And she just keeps taking ice cream to another level. Honestly, if you've never had Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams, you gotta go and find Jenny's and get and and eat some of that good stuff. Just as good as her ice as her ice cream, she is an amazing entrepreneur, leader, and uh, just a fascinating person to talk to. I had so much fun in this conversation in this interview. I cannot wait for you to dive in. Let's do that now. I give you Jenny Britton Bauer. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. I'm here with Dan and Adrian, the usual suspects. How are you, gentlemen? Great. Excellent. Thanks. And uh, we have a guest this week, and I'm so excited. We rarely have a guest these days, and we're, we're working to fix that. But this one is, is very special to us. And Adrian and Jenny, I'll let you guys talk a little bit about that history that you guys have together. But we have Jenny Britton Bauer on of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. And I'm so stoked to have you here. So grateful and humbled that you would give of your time for this conversation. And uh, I'm just excited about where we're going to go and what we're going to discover in the conversation. Thanks for being here, Jenny. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to see where we're going to go and what, I, what we're going to discover too. <laughs> It'll be a fun conversation. <laughs> well, this is great. So we'll get into uh, yours and Adrian's uh, conversation that's ongoing, I'm sure, and and how you guys came to be working together and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to start maybe at the beginning just briefly and talk about where talk about Jenny's splendid ice creams. What how did this start? This because in the context of this conversation, where we want to go with this is really the evolution of leadership. And I think when so many entrepreneurs and founders have an idea, especially creative founders and entrepreneurs, there's often not much thought given to the leadership role that will come with this thing if it's if it's successful right they have the thing and it's creative and it's your passion and you're going after it very little thought often from what i've found goes into oh along with this i'm going to need to lead so i just want to like maybe if we lay foundation of where you came from where did jenny's splendid ice cream start then we can build off of that evolution of leadership for you well and i'll start with leadership too because part you know one one um one path of leadership is is choosing and dropping out of the other sort of system and starting that's sort of what i always call i'll be over here leadership and then eventually you get good enough that other people want to join you and that's yeah. something that um that i have always done <laughs> that's how i've always been i mean even when i was a kid just kind of off in my corner doing stuff and most of the time it was all by myself and nobody cared and then every once in a while i hit on something that people were like what's that 
you know, and how can I help and what can we do? Um, so that was basically what I was doing. I mean, I have had a very long journey. It's been 25, 26 years in ice cream. I really didn't work for anyone else, not in a real way. I worked for a bakery that I loved, worked at a library when I was young and I was in, um, in, in high school and in, in, at university at Ohio state university, when I came up with the idea to do ice cream, I was studying art and I dropped out of Ohio state and started making ice cream in the farmer's market with the idea that I could tell stories through ice cream and that ice cream could be a lot better. And that maybe people in my generation would find a new sort of way of looking at it and, you know, go get ice cream, go have a date, go get to know somebody else better over ice cream. At the time, I felt like it was kind of like all grandparents and grandchildren. And I thought, well, I can pick up everybody in the middle. So farmer's market, telling stories, making something really beautiful was my idea, but I didn't do it right the first pass. So I had a company called Scream Ice Cream, doing like every flavor that I wanted to do anytime I wanted to, having whatever I wanted every day, um, never having consistency. Um, it didn't really work. It was sort of okay. And I closed that, got kind of burned out in a big way. I was also the only employee so I didn't have any help really, which is a leadership issue. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then I started Jenny's with a whole, uh, I, I realized all my sort of mistakes, solved those in a business plan and then opened Jenny's back in the North market. Uh, time-wise, this is 1996 is when I opened Scream, closed it in 2000, opened Jenny's in 2002. It was that time between where I really learned that, um, that, that entrepreneurship is not the same as art, that you can't just go do whatever you want. People will be excited about it. And that you have to have consistency. And it's a two-way conversation with literally everyone you can bring into your, your realm. And it also is, I say, entrepreneurship is building your own world because it kind of is. I mean, you're, 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 you, you get to like sort of be led by your values, surround yourself with people who you love and admire, and then kind of get on this mission or this quest together. And so that was the difference, I think, between Jenny's and Scream is that I really understood that a lot more. Open Jenny's. Now, we're still in a farmer's market and it's me and some high school kids. So we're not talking about any... Uh, you know, I've never like launched a brand. You know what I mean? I mean, I think of myself as a start small and build entrepreneur, which is why I know that this, um, that this path is available to almost anyone who wants it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you, you accomplished though. I mean, I, I, you know, you hear all the hype about ice cream and different, but I, I tasted your ice cream and literally I'm not kidding you. I couldn't put it down. And then, so that's our big deal at home now is, Okay, tonight's a cheat night, Jenny's. And I, seriously, you accomplished, you actually accomplished in the product what you set out to do. I mean, it, it, it's actually quite remarkable. It's not a marketing ploy. It's for real. And, and uh, I'm amazed. No yeah, matter, it's every, a weird every, thing, too, because flavor. in ice cream, people think of innovation as flavors. Yeah. And I thought of, um, yeah, that's important and it's really great, but I didn't realize, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that ice cream was just made with a, you know, you go buy a mix that has corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup and um, a whole bunch of stabilizers and all that stuff in it. And then you just add flavorings and put your name on it. And that's your ice cream business. I didn't know that that was how it worked. I thought people were actually making it from scratch, like yeah. all of the artisanal ice creams, you know, that I visited as a kid and all that. And when I realized that they weren't doing that and actually that it's really hard to actually make ice cream from scratch, that got me really more curious. And then that's where the idea for me uh, came from, which is the the idea that I'm still led by, which is do what you can now, but get better every day. And so I, you know, knew that I couldn't get the dairy that I wanted or make the recipe that I wanted, but I knew that I was on that train. And eventually we would get there. But that is really where the innovation is. It's in how do we take milk apart and put it back together? How do you move milk around fluid milk? Which is really, um, I mean, you can imagine the challenges of that. So that's the back end boring stuff. But, you know, you have to be so focused on that. And it's the stuff you can't tell in a marketing message or over the counter. By the way, you guys, you know how we uh, moved our fluid milk around this weekend? I mean, nobody cares about that. But that's why it tastes so good, you know, and, uh, and yeah. so many other things, too. It's, it's, it's part of the magic. I mean, it's part of what I love. I mean, I, think, I, mean, I don't know. There are going to be my experiences. There's people that love it for reasons that that you're cool with, but don't that that don't drive why you exist. And then there is a sector of people that love and nerd out about the yeah. why that also connects with you know because I'll nerd out about. It. I want to hear more. Hold on, tell me more. how do you separate the milk and put it back. Sure, I know. I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't know milk could be like thought of like technology. Yeah. Well, I always call that like, well, I think of it and I tell our team this too, like that this isn't about like the first page of our website or our Instagram or whatever, but this is 
to be hope confirming. So whatever you think we are, and we all we all think we believe a lot of things about a lot of companies, and they tell us these sort of surface things, and we believe all of it. But what we want to be is the company you can dive deep on, and it's just confirmed everywhere you go. Whether it's talking about fellowship or talking about you know molecular innovation in, in dairy or non dairy, or just just how we think of creativity and we're a creative led community spirited company, that kind of stuff. We want you to be able to go deep on that and be like, wow, they really are that. They are what they say. And the reason is, and this is, you know, here you go, leadership. I almost never use the word leadership, but I mean, it is. That's because, well, because that's what we want to work. We want to work at that company every day. But we've also noticed that when we actually live up to what we say we are in every possible way, then everybody who works in our company, the 1,200, 1,500 people, all the way out in the field, all the way up, they have a sense of pride when they talk about our company, right? Over the counter, you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, the core, I mean, leadership is whatever as a, as a word and as a concept, but what else is it? You know, what, what are the key elements to it? And I'm thinking about this. I mean, cause what, even as you reconstituted yourself between scream and Jenny's, right? Cause most people die there. They try it, it didn't work, quote unquote, which is code for the first try didn't work. And now I decided it didn't work or I'm done working on it. So I'll call, say it didn't work. Um, but you you weren't there, right? You were somewhere else and you were actually generating something else instead of merely generating maybe disappointment, maybe there's probably fear there or something. What else was also there? You're also generating possibility. You were generating ideas. You were like, oh, what if I actually took this art and put it in a container of structure, i.e. the business plan or whatever, or, or like strategy or plan, you know, you placed that inside this other new container, new context, and you know, you generated something. And that's always the, the first step of leadership is being, well, if you're the leader, you're generating an idea, you're, you, you know, from that comes energy. And then the next step is inviting other people into it to, Taste and see, you know, you know, remember, I always get, I get a lot. I, I got a lot of my, I always say that my favorite business book is the Lord of the Rings movies, right? Or actually probably leadership book. Um, but, but really it is about, I mean, you don't need to know anything about business. You just have to do it. You know what I mean? And you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in what's possible and what's over the horizon that people don't see. So those are, those, those kinds of stories are important, but, um, but for this, and I have like I have all these metaphors that I go to with you know various you know Star Trek, Star Wars, you know all sorts of things. But in the, the Princess Bride, there was a moment. You remember the Princess Bride? You guys have seen this, right? Okay, there's the forest. There's the forest. Yeah, where like uh, Wesley and Buttercup are being chased by the evil prince. They have to go into the forest that no one's ever you know walked all the way through before. And the prince thinks they're just dead and just completely dead. That's it. Turn around. Five minutes into the forest, they've had everything, the RUSs, the fire swamps, the, the, the whatever, the quicksand or whatever. And, we, and, and Buttercup looks at Wesley and she's like, oh my gosh, we're never going to make it through. We've made all these things in five minutes. And, 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 and Wesley's like, nonsense. Now we know how. And so I really feel like that was those early days of like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, you know, that's okay. Now I get this. And you almost like, once you've, once you have that amount of failure or that stumble, it's almost like you have to get back up because you now are the owner of something unusual, something rare. And that's this like power to keep moving forward. And you've just uncovered, you know, the, this sort of ability to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. As you think about, uh, as you try to remember and re-embody Jenny 2002, prior to all the award-winning cookbooks and nationwide uh, ice cream phenomenon did you as you were inventing and thinking maybe there's something here was there a lot of thought about leadership like intentional thought about leadership or what that might like if this thing goes i'm going to be in a position where i'm going to need to lead and enroll and uh, you know all of those sort of things other people into this vision did you was there any Very con- much because i'd had a failure at scream i knew what it was like to burn out yeah. And I knew that, and, and, and when I was writing my business plan, I was working backward from what do I need to, uh, what does this business need to look like in order to have people helping me, in order yeah. to have people like managing with me. And eventually I knew that I was going to bring in higher level leaders. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just stay in the market. You know what I mean? That this was yeah. going to be a bigger business that we were going to need to get there. 
And so that creates your vision or your North Star. And so for me, actually, it that planning was all about people and how we were gonna um, how we were gonna get to this bigger vision, but but it was a people thing. So working backwards, like, well, I'm gonna need these people, and then working backwards from that was we're gonna need to be this big this quickly in order to get to that place and this much. You know, we're gonna have to sell this many ice cream cones. Based literally, that was what I did. How many ice cream cones? I'm calculating on my spreadsheet. Do I have to sell over the counter? Because that was basically all I sold. But yeah, for sure, it was it was that because I knew that um, that I wasn't gonna be able to do it by myself at all, and and it was. I knew what I needed to do, what I wanted to do. And then I made a list of all the other stuff that, that I didn't think I was as good at. Were there any beliefs that you had about leadership at that time that you have now, 18 years later, realized that maybe wasn't truth or, or wasn't truth for you? Yeah. Well, I think that um, I thought I was... I think it was a smart decision for me to, to hire a CEO. I think it was a smart decision. I think I was being a really smart, you know, entrepreneur doing that. Um, especially given how incredibly complex our business is with production, with, you know, our version of innovation, which is not just flavors, but it's that too, doing in-house art, doing in-house production and having stores, our own stores with a lot of people in those stores, really a people company. But not only that, we have two other channels. Uh, we have our online channel, which is our biggest store. And then we have grocery. Okay. So I know that like my, my focus has to be people. It has to be product. It has to be quality and, and that kind of stuff. And so I need like a partner in that. So super smart decision to make. The one thing that I will say though, is that I didn't put enough thought into, can I do that? Can I be that leader? And I think I still would have come to the same conclusion, uh, maybe. And I think I, st- I think I still need someone to be in that role. But I tell young people now or, or emerging business leaders, and especially women, like put some thought into that because you might be the right one to do that. I mean, maybe your business isn't quite as complex as mine and, and so on. There are things, you know, I think about that every once in a while, like, could I have done that and, um, and learn, I would have been, a, I would have had to learn a lot, but, um, but that's something that I think about a lot. You know what I mean? I don't think it's that complicated. You know what I mean? I, I do think it is, but I mean, I, I think that. Maybe I didn't give myself enough credit. Yeah. And part of what I'm hearing, I don't know that this is so you tell me, but it sounds like you could still make that move, but you might make that move differently. Like you might, what do I really want from this person? How do I, I might've given away yes. certain aspects of my own leadership because I wasn't confident. And I thought they would be able to lead better than me in those areas. And maybe yeah. Those- and don't get me wrong. It's not a ding on our seat or he's awesome. He's great. Right. But it, it's more of me thinking, Right, you what knowing- was I not trusting in myself? Because, uh, yeah, and and what questions should I have been asking then? And I'm lucky that 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 things turned out the way they they did. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, we right. talked to lots of founders in that in that yeah. passage, you know, where it's you know it has worked. You know, they did the thing, it's worked, and now there are frustrations that are happening. A lot of the conventional wisdom is get somebody from the outside to come in with fresh eyes, quote unquote, and do it. And usually add a whole bunch of structure and add a whole bunch of stuff. And then there's, there's so often natural, there are inherent, you know, gravity like tensions that are going to be there because that person's new. This person's founder has been there from the beginning and there are inherent tensions and they're like co-parenting. It's like almost like a co-parenting relationship at times where it's like we're distinct, but we're on the same thing, but we're very distinct. We've got different strategies and yeah. we like talking and not like talking at the same time. And we like each other and don't like each other at the same time. It's just so na- all and that it can be very good for your company. Like Great. ultimately. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I think that's why coaching is actually is, is really important. I feel like that's the kind of you got to be open. If you if you get closed up, that becomes very challenging. And um, anyway, but I, I do think that I think that building that relationship, the way that you build it, is important. And so, yeah. and I've really valued coaching from from you, Adrian. <laughs> yeah. well, it's been an honor to get, well, it's been an honor to get in the mix. I mean, my our heart. I mean, as a company, and my heart is you know we want to support. I mean, I want for my clients what I want for myself. Is like I actually want to be in an ever present conversation with myself about who I am and how I'm becoming and my impact I'm making. And that's complicated always. Like it's always very complex that 
that that game of like self-leadership, self-management. So anytime we get to partner with someone like yourself that is brilliant and one of a kind and you know, and once just once a lot for the world and once a lot for the company, it's just such a thrill to get to come alongside and support and be in the corner, if you will, of you and be able to watch your process and support you and you know. So um, it's so fun. And I I mean, I think one of the um, you know, in thinking about entrepreneurs and founders versus the business side of the equation. They're both really, you almost can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. I think of entrepreneurship as, um, as a sort of more spiritual, more community sort of, um, you know, it's, a, it's sort of the foundation of entrepreneurship is love and creativity mm-hmm. and all of that. Whereas the foundation of business is really like a teachable it's a, it's a bunch of disciplines. It's a bunch of disciplines that you can go learn somewhere and come and bring into a, a company. Um, and I think of that as almost like some of my personal philosophies kind of li- link up with this as well. And this is like when I start thinking about who I'm putting on my team and who I want to partner with and finding people who have a different sort of way of thinking or a different perspective than me, I put some thought into things like, or to like, where does virtue come from, right? So the idea of like, for me, virtue comes from inside, from thinking and from doing, right? And learning and going forward. Whereas I think some, um, you know, they're, they're the other side of that is, well, virtue comes from uh, culture and society and our groups and, and the books that we read or whatever. And so sometimes, you know, you can get this clash of ideas when it's like, when you're like, you know, the, the entrepreneur and they think you're just all instinct. You're like, I don't know, it's not really instinct. It's like, yeah, it's instinct, but it's like, but because I've been doing it for a long time and it's like, I know where, I know where the answer is. I know the way where, you know, you sort of up against the, oh, but it's not done that way. Or, you know, this isn't how we do it. This isn't what I learned in school or this isn't what Marcus Aurelius did or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like there's, I think a lot of entrepreneurs that I, that I know, the founders that I know kind of have that way of, of thinking. And in in a way there's only room for one of us in the company. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Who kind of think that way? Everybody else kind of almost has to be a process person, but. (laughs) <laughs> it's interesting because you you brought up a couple of tensions that I've heard in with uh, founders that like one of them is how much do I assert what I need and how much do I give myself to the organization right? and and how do I balance between those two things because you know, like how much do I go after what I really need to have this work and how much do I give myself to the organization in a way that it's served like how do I that tension comes up a lot for people get burnt because they tend to sacrifice themselves for the company and they didn't really watch out for what they needed. And then some people look so much out for what they need. They stifle the creativity in the organization and, and, and how do you serve that? Right. So part of when, when I'm listening, I know with other uh, founders, like you go through ups and downs and you have been through, a number of them. So you've adjusted. And what I heard you saying is it's not you, you're learning as much as you are. You're creating, but you're also learning. You're taking from others and then articulating it so that you can be more efficient. And I wonder how often, when do you know, like, when did you know, Oh, look, I'm mature enough to go do this now. Like I have somebody else doing it, but now I feel like I'm up for it. Do you have like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the funny thing is even as you were, as you were saying that I was thinking like, I know, and I'm like, never done. I never am at that point where I just trust yeah. myself. Like, this is it. It's always like, Oh, I'm still learning. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think I'm, I think right now in my life, I'm kind of walking through it and this is, this is like where I'm at and getting to that place where I, I, I do trust myself much more. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah I can hear it. it sounds like it was like, like you, what I got from what you were testifying, talking about was like, you've learned a lot about what you're capable of. And there were some things you were capable of and didn't think you were capable of. And now you're seeing that and you're bringing that forth. Like yours, and you're still learning. Like I get that you're still wide open to, okay, what's the next level? What's, what's up? Next? Well, and I have time behind me so I can look back and say, wow, you know, uh, all those times when I sort of didn't raise my voice, I was yeah. right. Many times I was wrong as well. I'm glad I didn't say anything, but you know what I mean? But like actually more times I was right. So, you know, I now have, I now have that reflection where I can look back and say, I, you know, I should have trusted myself. That's fine. But I can now, I I legitimately can now. And certainly if I have an idea, I should say it. If I have uh, an opinion, I should raise it. This is a company 
but it, not just in my company, but wherever I go, if I'm on a board or if I'm just anything I'm trying to accomplish, but, um, but certainly in my own company, but that, that took a while for me too, because I just thought, you know, I'm bringing in all the uh, leaders and they're going to come in and I'm going to learn from them. And, and sometimes, and I certainly do, but also I have learned, uh, all over all of these years and I have a, a pretty good understanding of how it should work and certainly like our customers and our product and, you know, just sort of that, that has become like a part of my DNA now. And so, um, I think I can trust my voice there. You know, I don't have to question it so much anymore. Mm -hmm. When, when there was less trust in your voice earlier on, what were some of your favorite fears or stories that you ran that kept you from speaking up? It was, I, 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 I should, I, I'm trying to be like known as the nice person. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, yeah. I don't want anybody's impression of me, you know, whatever it is, these guys are smart, not guys, not all guys, but like people are smart. They will figure it out. Uh, or I might've said, and, and a lot of times it happened, like, I won't say anything now because by the end of the meeting, somebody else will have said it. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll say stuff like that. Yeah. And, and also just looking stupid. I mean, just being you know, just saying something that's just wildly out of the, you know, the park or whatever the, you know, I was like, I'm liable to do that. And now I don't, now I know I do that and it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't yeah. know that I ever say something just completely, but, uh, but I became okay with that and realized it's not as bad as I was. Yeah. About. Yeah. That's great. Well, it's, it's kind of the, <laughs> I was the phrase that comes to mind is like own your crazy, and by that I mean like you know there's an aspect of all of us, especially I mean for entrepreneurs as, as well. I'm you know pure founder entrepreneurs like yourself. You know it the i to go after an idea to think that you can manifest, create, generate the thing that's a pretty crazy idea. And you actually you know you know the as if the, even if people see your holiday line now, it's so imaginative and beautiful, right and. You know, it lets yourself. But as soon as you you own that you're own that you kind of have these far out ideas. That's what I'm calling the crazy thing. Like own these far out ideas. As soon as you own them and know that they could be like that to others, and that's still okay. But hey, that's part of my unique contribution to the organization as it's built. Is that hey, I'm going to be the one that's going to ask a lot of things, bring up a lot of ideas. A certain percentage of them will be unuseful, but I'm gonna. My job is to say them to make sure. That they because there's some because part of what I hear is that you held back on what seemed what might have seemed too much or might have seemed out of left field or might have might have made you look X Y Z um, and that could have been a contribution that you could have made it could have served you know but you didn't give yourself that permission and didn't kind of own the fact that oh this is as time goes on this is part of my unique contribution is to ask the you know contrarian type question. Absolutely. And then, you know, my other thing is that I would just go do it my way anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so then we would leave and I would go do just whatever, I, whatever it was anyway. And, yeah. uh, you know, so, yeah. it, and it actually worked the way that we were sort of set up. This is, you know, six, seven years, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago. And, uh, and it actually kind of, kind of works, you know, I would kind of go over in my place and then John, our CEO would kind of go over in his place and make things happen. And we would kind of do whatever. And, um, and, it, and, it, yeah. and it actually sort of weirdly worked, but um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a part of it. I think that that's part of the tension of any kind of organization that retains the founder and the, the, the role that the founder typically plays is, is distinct or, or uh, can be all over the place. But that's as we study companies that we work with, like that, that is an inherent tension naturally it can be leveraged towards a lot of great results where it's like you want the founder to be always be the pioneer out there. You want, you know, and pointing where it's going to go. The organization itself, usually sometimes including the CEO, is laying the track and making sure that that's possible to get there. But that that space between where the pioneer is and where the organization is, that's a necessary space. But it might seem like it's not needed, not wanted, and there's lots of judgments of the founder for being out that far. Like, why is where is she? Where is he? Why are they always bringing up crazy things? All these types of things. We hear the complaints from the camp, but then the founder is also like, Hey, why don't you catch up? Why don't, you know, Hey, why don't, you know, there's lots of complaints back that way towards the camp as well. I mean, well, and it's interesting because as you're saying that I'm thinking about this, you know, this era of, um, you know, I spent eight or 10 years boots on the ground, making ice creams and serving customers. And so I learned 
you know, very, I became a Jedi literally of this world, of this experience. Right. And that's like the sort of, um, you know, you're done drilling. You're just on the, on autopilot. You can just move and you can just do it. I know what moves people, why people are at the counter. It's not ice cream, right? I know um, how to work with ice cream. I know why, you know, how much, you know, water is in strawberries and, and, and if it rained a lot this season, I know how much water is in those strawberries too. Like, you know, what I know about that is it, it and very, very importantly, I understand how to balance those 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 nuanced resources because money is the easiest resource, right, that we can even get. And then everything else is like, there's just so many other things. So because I spent 10 years doing that, I got all of this information, all of this data, and I understood how to work it all together. I didn't put it in a spreadsheet. I mean, sometimes I did, but it wasn't like the ones we use now. And, and I got that. So when we started to organize into lanes and processes, my lane was like over in creative. But what happened was it disconnected me from all of the other stuff that I was, all of the other data that I was using to make decisions. And so I have this, this experience of, you know, Jenny, go over there and you just create and we'll figure out how to make this work. And so I did, well, then I get to be the founder that's way out in outer space, right? I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea how to connect it to anything or anyone. And I had to come back from that realizing Okay, that is not right. Like I need to be much more connected in order to get this right. And now we're back to that and it's working so much better. But so I, I wonder sometimes if founders, if, if I wonder what we can do with founders to get, to get them more integrated because I think now sometimes we skip that part. We, we, we do business and boardrooms and pitches and then money, go directly to money and then uh, sales versus like finding sales first before you do that and learning first before you get to that point. Um, does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like I feel yeah. like there is a... Um, there is some learning that founders can do that isn't necessarily business, but it is well, you know, um, in order to become better team players and to be able to understand what they're doing and why build that. Yeah. There's a, an inter- you bring up an interesting point because there's, there's definitely you have your processes and your structure and you have people, but rarely do we talk about how we work together, which is a different asset, right? And that's the culture, the conversation that we carry on with each other, the expectations that we hold of each other, you know, the things we resist about each other, the conversations that are acceptable, the conversations that are unacceptable, right? How do you, so, and I don't think we, at least in our experience, found, that's not something founders often think about early because it's invisible. I don't know if you play chess, right? But, you know, when you you learn to play chess, you learn that there's material. Oh, I took your king or I, I took your knight and you took my pawn and but there's two, there's other assets, there's other advantages like position and timing that you can't really see as well. And I think what happens is we we don't tend to think about how we work together and how that either opens up or closes down our own evolution and succession in the business, right? And I, that's something I know we spend time thinking about. But it's usually with founders once they're down the road a ways, they go, we can't figure out how to get this straight, and it's somewhere. It's like they've tried all. It's 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 in the delta between people, structure, process, and then how we work together. And usually, how we work together gets neglected. And then we wonder yeah. why we well, there's these disconnected lines of communication between you know business and creativity or product development and that kind of thing. So. Yep, absolutely. And how we organize our companies in order to so that we can understand each other in different teams and work together and be a little more walls down you know, every company is going to be different on that front. And, and, you know, that's the, I mean, that's the sort of joy of building a company, but it isn't necessarily the same for every company and understanding what you're trying to do and what the core, not just the values, but that too, but values being even what you make and what you're doing and who, who you're serving first yeah. and then building from there. And you, in a certain, and a certain way of working together gets you to a certain place of succession success and then the next level of success actually calls you into a way of working together that would in the old way seems offensive right <laughs> yeah it's, <laughs> it's never a, ending yeah that's always it's interesting to watch yeah. there's something jenny that you mentioned uh almost i mean in passing but it sounded like a declaration almost like a um something to live by you said uh like a principle for the company you said live up to who we say we are and I thought that was an interesting uh, phrase, and I, I wanted to dig into that. What does that mean to you? Who are you, or or who do you say you are? 
And then how are you creating that on the ground? How, how do you enroll? How are you enrolling people that just probably started just wanting to make a paycheck and then uh, you know, you're enrolling them into a bigger mission, a bigger vision? Uh, let's, let's show up bigger, better, and, and really represent who we want to be and who we say we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. It's, there's so much to this, but, um, and you know, it's funny that you picked up on that. Cause I'd forgotten that I even said that I, uh, like, right. I feel like in business now in building a company now, there isn't a division between like the whole back of the house and front of the house. We're not just creating a brand. We're not just, you know, sitting in a cubicle, creating Duncan Hines or whatever, and making, building a world that's kind of fake and putting it out on commercials. We actually are our marketing plan, right? We are that. And you can build that now where that's like, we can just tell the stories that happen here every day. And that's enough, right? If we do what we, what we want to do, and if we build this as a, as a world that our customers step into, that includes us, it includes them, it includes everybody who works in our company and out in the field for us. And we call that the fellowship model, the idea that like more science fiction, but it's from Lord of the Rings. It's the idea that, that we are, everybody um, brings in their awesomeness um, and their, their unique skills and their unique perspective. And together we make something greater than the sum of our parts. And that's the company. And so uh, I think that it's, I think that's where it comes from. You know, it's the idea that like, that, that we're all sort of together. We're all on the same fellowship, we're all on the same team. And what then happens is that just so many things, I mean, uh, that's where we attract talent because nobody, if, if people care that much about money, it's, I mean, you know, once you get to a certain point, it's more about, do we have a bigger mission than this? And you don't have to save the whole world. You just have to have fun and like be making people feel good in some way and have a good uh, role that, you know, you feel that you're contributing to and you're plugged into and you believe in. And that's, I think that's the, that's what we set out to do a long time. I and mean, we didn't do it on purpose. It came from the farmer's market. It just came from how people work together there, this community that we had there. And then like just kind of scaling that up and building it. But that was the idea we noticed. I just noticed that people, they were really proud of what they did. They want to share it. And you know, how can you, how can you be proud of it? If, if, if what I'm saying, I'm out here saying one thing and then over there you see somebody else doing something different. And lastly, it gets back to trust. I just don't think, I do, I do not think there's anything more important in any relationship than trust. And I think a, a company is a bunch of people in relationships with each other, with the, the organization as a, as a whole and with the leaders of the company. And, uh, and if, and if, and if trust is broken, that's okay. You can just fix it. You can fix it by just going in and just being honest and opening it up and facing things. We're going to do that every single day, but you have to be, you, you have to be, you have to build trust. And that's, that's part of that as well. I love that. I just I just had a coaching call today with one of my clients who's building his brand um, around him as a as a director of photography, and this is a new venture for him. He wants to to focus just on DPing and not do all of the production side of stuff and the planning and the organization and all that kind of stuff for for film. And um, you know, he we were talking about this idea of building a brand, and his and I said, well, tell me, what do you think a brand is? And, you know, he said, well, it's, you know, it's a reputation, it's a logo, it's your clients, like building, you know, building out your portfolio. And I said, well, what if, can I offer a different perspective? He said, yeah, sure. I said, what if your brand is just a set of commitments? And that's what I'm hearing in what you're saying or what I'm making up about what you're saying or or drawing the parallel is that the brand is born or the brand lives out of what you are committed to and that one of those biggest things being trust. And I, I, I love that. I think that's, that's really, really powerful. Are there any other commitments that you as, as a leader have made to your people and to yourself that have, have allowed you to see the kind of success that you're seeing both with your team and in the market? Yeah. I mean, a community, you know, that we're all in this together, that goes back to the sort of fellowship idea as well. Quality of course. Um, and then, and then even maybe above everything is the idea of better, um, which we touched on before, but I knew I couldn't make the ice creams that I wanted to make or, you know, have the production facility I wanted to do, you know, whatever the big dream was right away. And so it was just to do what I can now and keep chipping away over time. And I realized long after sort of getting on that train, that was the best thing I ever did. It's like, if you think like, I'm here to make the best ice cream the world's ever known. I mean, sure, that's true, right? But at the same time, that's actually really easy. 
right? But but then but but the idea of like best is somebody else's idea and it's already dead. It's just like sitting there. But better is alive and active and it keeps going and it never gives up. And so so you can always be on that train. And if it's like just about ice cream, well, that's easy. But if it, what if it's about, you know, just the whole idea of better and building better everywhere and doing better, um, every day. And so that is, that's something that we talk about all the time. So when we say our mission statement is to make better ice cream, it's the most boring mission statement you can, you can create, but you can unpack it for miles, you know, and that's what's, um, what's important for us. You know, it's interesting because you, what came out, you had asked the last question, Chad, about doing what you say or, you know, like, and what came out of that was trust, which I found was interesting because that's what the whole conversation came down to. It's like, say, and then I have a feeling that carries through your organization that when you say something, then you pursue it and you do it. And if you don't do it, you probably correct it and talk about it until it starts to come about. And that's what makes it better, right? Is that sense of living up to your word, living what you said. And, well, and, and also, you know, everybody in our company knows we're going to be imperfect today, you know, yeah. and that, um, sure, we, you know, we, we all want to do that too. Like, you know, everybody's like, you know what you should do? I mean, it's kind of a running joke every founder has, right? You know what you should do? You should do, um, you know, a production facility with like grass on the roof and cows and whatever. And I'm like, yeah. hey, yes, yes. Okay. But, but, you know, where are the resources? How do you actually do it? Where's, you know, those are important things, but, uh, but it's that um, idea of, you know, we would love to do everything we can't. We're here to do, like, what are we here to do? Just getting that very, becoming very clear about that and understanding that it's not going to be perfect today, but it's getting better always. And that's mm. the scrappiness. That's sort of, what, you know, what we think of as like art school mentality that we have. We'll just get in there and fix it ourselves if we need to, or paint it ourselves or do it ourselves. And weirdly, this has been a part of our success too. Our brand has never been, we didn't like, you know, if you, if we, we tried to like launch the, the cutest ice cream brand in the world, right? Like let's say in 2007, right. When we were just picking up, we had gone to like the design firms and gotten everything perfect and just like launched big on the national scene. We would have failed because nobody wants that in ice cream. We want to feel connected in ice cream. And so us just being scrappy, using the floor that's already there, putting in some uh, dipping cabinets and painting it and doing it kind of our way. Uh, with one expen- one expensive ingredient per store, it's usually marble, and everything else is like off the shelf, whatever. You know, I mean, that's kind of how we built it. And so a lot of people thought we were local and we acted like local. I was there all the time, whether it was Atlanta or Nashville or LA. Um, and so we became this community no matter where we went. Mm. And I think the imperfections actually yeah. helped us in a yeah. huge way. That may not be true of any number of other businesses, but in ice cream, it was really important, I think, to um, to building that trust with customers and with the communities that we were serving, which is like weird. You kind of want to be perfect, but at the same time, it can be inauthentic. Yeah, like idiosyncrasies that mm-hmm. that endear people to the product. Yeah, yeah, they know uh, they're I, really I had that experience. I had that experience. I mean, I I had been to Jenny's before uh, we met, of course, and. On Larchmont here in LA, and it was like a because part of what you're describing is like a kind of a mom and pop type feel. Like it's a very down to earth. Wow, this is cool. This you know, it's a unique. It feels unique. It feels distinct, and that's what Jenny's was here or is still at Larchmont. Even just you know, we're the kids like the would, biggest mom and pop. I mean, yeah, we're not a huge company, but I mean, we have like forty something stores, so we're not small. But it does still feel like mom and pop. I mean, we still design the stores. We're not you know, we're not fancy. We put everything into the ice cream and then Danielle and I get in and, uh, and, and design the awnings, that awning in Larchmont, or, you know, I picked out the furniture for the back. I mean, it's really just, yeah. I mean, we build every store the same way we've built every store, Yep. which I think is part of that. Like when you think about the magic, when you think about brand, it's those, like, it's that magic that all of your details added up create and it's how you make people feel. And sure. so, you know, when you're in our store, you just feel like, you just feel like you're you're participating in something, some form of community, or some, you know, what time you're there, or or, or which store you're at. I mean, it, yeah, but I don't know. There's something about the imperfection, or there's a yeah, have a part I, of it. There's a Greek word, you know, the word, Greek word genius, right? It was originally created for place. It comes, it, it's the specialness of the place that, like, you walk into a place, and the genius is that je ne sais quoi. You can't really, you know 
put a definition on it, but it's a feel. It's it's a, it's the genius of the place. And and if the brand, that's what the brand is really. It's the genius of the community of what the commitment is. As it kind of started out in that area, commitment. But I always think about when you're describing that. I'm thinking that just is exactly what what I think about. There's certain places I go, power spots like you go sit before this waterfall, and there's a feeling that is nowhere else, right? And that's where I feel like I feel like true creativity and other things too, love and community and and certain things live in that sort of spiritual realm, almost. And you connect with it, uh, you know when it's right. And there are many other things that sort of are great or, or okay, and they're fine, they pass or whatever. But then there's the, there are some things that just hit you in a certain way. And it's a whole bunch of stuff that comes together to make that moment. Um, yeah. But you're really feeling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have that, I mean, because, because you and I are connected in such a unique way. Anytime I walk into Jenny's since we've met, I, well, I walk in differently, almost like a, let me check this out. Let me make sure it's up to Jenny's standard. <laughs> Like you a know, critic, right? <laughs> okay, well, just making sure. Hey, you, you know, um, in my own mind, I, I, I try to play it cool, but in my own mind, that's where I'm at. It's like, hey, don't mess this up. She's awesome. Don't mess this up. But the distinct, I mean, part of this experience that I know you champion so naturally that I've had walking into the stores is we're not here to sell ice cream, right? We're here to, as even you said earlier, like there's a, there's something else happening that's here. And no matter what, like humans first, even with all when COVID hit, you could tell you could tell organizations that were there to make sure make sure that nobody got sick and make sure you got it done quickly. And, you know, or, or it's like make sure the protocol was met. Like and those things are all good and necessary. And then you could tell the organizations that were there to still see past the mask and find the person and realize that in COVID. If they're coming to your store, this is really special, like 10 times more special than it was before, because now we're actually walking into out in the wild that is full of mystery now. And is this a good idea or bad idea or whatever? You know, and I think Jenny's my experience has been every time we've been back. Um, and I, by the way, I can't get within a mile of Larchmont without my children demanding it. So thank you. But there's that specialness, right? There's the human connection. There's the focus on the human first, and then we'll get to the ice cream next. Like that, I mean, that's part of the feel, I think, or, uh, you know, the energy that's there. And it starts with our team and and taking care of them so that they can take care of themselves as individuals, as a team, and then also as um, to our community. And that's important. Um, and again, imperfect, but, but you can see that that's, that's what it is when you go into a Jenny's almost, you know, it's just like people talk about I mean, service is such an important part of who we are and what we do. And literally it's the perspective that I see the entire world through and, um, whether it's how we make ice cream or why, or, um, how we build the company. And then, and then of course, how we serve customers over the counter, but that's exactly right. That perspective of service. And, you know, going back to, we keep alluding to it, but you know, the idea that you're not here for ice cream. You're here to get to know someone else better. And so how can we make that happen? How can we spark that, add a little spark to whatever that is, whether it's your child or your grandparent or, you know, your soon-to-be lover, whatever it is, <laughs> um, you know, there's something happening what there. What flavor really is that cool. one? I want to know what that flavor is. <laughs> <laughs> We've got many flavors, many flavors for whatever you need. <laughs> many flavors to spur on the romance. Yes. <laughs> Just, I will say, it's not about the, um, the flavor. It's about the cone. You have to get it on an ice cream cone. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because That's you know great. what? It actually makes you a little bit vulnerable when you're like sitting with somebody you don't know very well, but you're kind of crushing on to like eat an ice cream cone in front of them. Mm-hmm. Just saying, yeah. it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. It will take down That's the wall quickly. And yes. do not get chunks in that equation. Don't get the chunkiest one. Just get something smooth and eat it off. The, okay, that's dating advice. Dating advice. JDB. I'm feeling advice from me. I'm feeling a whole podcast or Instagram account <laughs> coming on or something that's just ice cream dating advice. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Ooh, that will be my next show there. On my uh, Instagram. That'll be the next yeah. tasting video. That would be, that'd be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. I think, there's a show, I think there's a show there. I see some. I mean, we could we could do anything in reality TV these days, like following couples to to Jenny's. Come on. Yep. Exactly. Totally. They've <laughs> never met before. The algorithm has said that they have some chem. They could have chemistry. Let's see what happens when they eat ice cream together. <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. Jenny, you've been so generous and we're so grateful for your time on the podcast. I want to, if it's okay with you guys, just ask one final question uh, and then we can wrap this up. If you uh, were able to talk to 2002 Jenny, what advice uh, or what, what conversation would you have with her about leadership in the road ahead? I think I would say, um, and it comes from Moana, <laughs> you know the way. Like, just, you know, the way, like, just, you know, go inside and decide and make those decisions and keep going. But, but trusting yourself, I think is the, is what I would say. And ultimately I think I did, but I was very, very nervous about it. Certainly back then, very wigged out about whether the company was going to fail again, like my first one. And you know what I mean? Like I I had a lot of ideas, but, um, I didn't have enough to trust myself yet. And, uh, that would have made a difference. I think, I don't think, I think I would have still, yeah, it would have made a big difference. I think. Yeah. At least experientially, at least. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't want this to be over. You're such a pleasure to talk to. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. It's always so great to talk to you. And I, um, I've, you know, I think it's just, yeah, this is such an incredible moment to be talking about these, these, these issues and what leadership is. I think things are changing. So it's, it's really fun. I love watching your, watching you guys, Uh, watching the podcast. I do watch your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You see our clips. Yeah, you see the clips is what it is. On the social. (laughs) Got it. Well, thanks. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.